in this beautiful place. It's even more beautiful that, than what I have heard from the descriptions, especially from Mimi, my assistant, who has been here before. She described me this beautiful place, but today in the afternoon, when I came here, yeah, I was so, so delighted to find such a beautiful place, quiet, peaceful, away from the busyness of Kuala Lumpur or any other big city. So it's very auspicious that all of us are here now for this meditation retreat. It's not the usual thing that most of the people normally do, take their time, go off to a secluded place in order to practice meditation. So the fact that all of you have taken your time, have made it possible to get away from your work, your family, or your friends, it needed quite some effort, I think, for many of you to make it happen. So all the more, it's very auspicious that we can spend this time together. So we will open and start this retreat with taking the nine precepts. I think you got the copies. The nine precepts are the regular eight precepts and the ninth precept is metta or that we will also cultivate metta during this retreat. And as you have seen from the schedule, every day in the afternoon, I think it's from four to five, there's in the sitting meditation this whole sitting meditation then will be dedicated to develop or cultivate metta, loving-kindness. But now, let's take the nine precepts. We start with the Namo Tassa. Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambodasa Bhutam saganam gachami Dhammam saganam gachami Sangam saganam gachami Dutiyam pi bhutam saganam gachami 
Dutiampi dhammam saranam gachami Dutiampi sangam saranam gachami Tatiampi budam saranam gachami Tatiampi dhammam saranam gachami Tatiampi sangam saranam gachami Panadi pata viramani sikapadam samadhyami Adinadana viramani sikapadam samadhyami Abramacharya Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Musavada Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Sura Miraya Machapamadatana Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Vikala Puchana Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Nacha Gita Vatita Visukha Dasana Malakanda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Viposanathana Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Uchasayana Mahasayana Viramani Sikapadam Samadhyami Metta Sahakatena Chitta Sapavantam Lokam Gayatori Viharami Itame Silam Makafala Nyanasa Pachayo Hotu Sadhu 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 So tonight I will say a few words about the meditation practice because I've heard that some of you have never done a meditation retreat, are new to this kind of vipassana meditation. And for those of you who have already participated in a retreat or in many retreats already, take this as a refresher, just to settle in here again 
settle into the practice to remind yourself of what needs to be done, of how you should practice. And even though you have practiced under many teachers maybe, each teacher, although she or he teaches Vipassana meditation, has his or her own flavor of giving instructions, of imparting the teachings. So maybe even those, even uh, those of you who have quite some experience, maybe you find something new if you listen with an open and with an open heart without any prejudices. So as I said in the beginning, it's a very auspicious occasion to come here together in order to practice meditation. The Buddha's teaching is a teaching that shows us a way of how we can overcome all of our different kinds of suffering and to be liberated from the causes of suffering and so to attain perfect peace and happiness. So the Buddha has shown us a way, a way that helped him to become liberated, to become enlightened. The Buddha had to practice himself. He had to attain enlightenment himself. And his enlightenment solved his problem of how to get away or get out from suffering. And even though he imparted his teaching, showing us the way to the end of suffering, it's not enough to know how we should practice or to know theoretically what needs to be done, but we actually have to put it into practice and practice it ourselves, strive ourselves to attain this lofty goal of the end of suffering or to attain peace, happiness, a calm mind. So, as I said, even if we have a great and vast theoretical knowledge about the Buddha's teaching, about the suttas, maybe the Vinaya, the rules that regulate a monk's or a nun's life. Maybe you have studied Abhidhamma and are well versed in the, what is mind and matter and mental factors and so on. But even if you knew the whole Tipitaka, all the Buddhist scriptures by heart, without actually putting into practice, it would not help you to become free, to become liberated. Once I attended a Buddhist conference for Buddhist women and nuns, and there there was a nun from Bhutan, and she gave a little talk, and she used a very nice 
uh, picture to illustrate this. She said, mere theoretical knowledge about the Buddha's teaching is actually like a donkey carrying the tipitaka on its back. So, we don't need to carry this burden uh, all around, but we just take what is essential on the path to liberation and put it into practice, practice it for ourselves. And that's what has actually brought you here. If you weren't into really practicing it, then you would have stayed home, poking your nose into more books, getting more knowledge. So, we will practice meditation, vipassana meditation, which is commonly translated as insight meditation or mindfulness meditation. Insight meditation means to get insight into the true nature of things. To see phenomena in us, around us, as they truly are, not taking them as we think they are or what we uh, have learned from others, but it's an investigation into our mind and body to find out what actually exists. And this knowledge of seeing things as they truly are, this is liberating and so then we can overcome the causes of suffering and when there are no more causes for suffering, then suffering won't arise anymore. Then we are free, liberated. So this Vipassana meditation is one kind of meditation in the whole of the Buddha's teaching. The other kind of meditation is the so-called Samatha meditation, Samatha Bhavana, which usually translates as concentration meditation, because the aim of this kind of meditation is to attain a deeply concentrated mind that rests on a given uh, object without being distracted, without going out, but one-pointedly concentrated on that object that leads to a calm and serene mind. And this calmness that leads to a feeling of happiness, of bliss. But this is not about insight of trying to realize, to see things as they are. This is just to calm the mind, to focus the mind, and then rest in this calmness and feel happy, peaceful, or blissful. And this peace or happiness or bliss lasts as long as we are absorbed in this deep concentration. But as soon as we stop the meditation, as soon as we come out 
of this deeply concentrated state of mind, then with that, the calmness, the happiness, or the feeling of bliss are gone, and we are back to our usual busy, tormented mind. And this kind of meditation, the concentration meditation, is actually nothing specific Buddhist. That kind of meditation existed already before the Buddha became enlightened, even before the Buddha was born. That was a common kind of meditation in the old India. But the Buddha practiced this kind of meditation too, but then he saw its limitation of not really breaking through to overcome suffering, but he saw that it was this temporary happiness or this temporary calmness and peace. And the Buddha was not satisfied with that. He wanted long-lasting peace. Get out of this round of being reborn and reborn and reborn again. And so that's why he abandoned that kind of concentration meditation and tried for himself until finally under the famous body tree in Bodhgaya he became fully enlightened. So this retreat is mainly dedicated to the practice of vipassana meditation but as I've mentioned already every day we will practice metta meditation for one hour and metta meditation is actually one of the different kinds of concentration meditation because we only take one single object namely developing the wish for all beings welfare and happiness but with this development of loving kindness that's also very beneficial not only during a retreat when we practice vipassana meditation it's also very beneficial and helpful in daily life where you are together with other people where you have to deal with other people and so to live with a heart full of metta to speak with metta to act with loving kindness to have thoughts imbued with um, thoughts of loving kindness will, will bring many many benefits to your life to your daily life and in a retreat it's also very helpful to soothe the mind to help it get calm and concentrated so in a retreat meditators keep noble silence which is also another thing that helps and supports your practice if you talk every now and again to others your mindfulness 
will be broken, your concentration will be broken, and it will bring more restlessness into your mind. So please keep noble silence and value it as a supportive tool for your practice. And with noble silence, that also means, of course, that you should not use your handphone and call friends or family members, but it's best to turn off your handphone. And also, during a retreat, please do not engage in reading books. That's also another distraction for the mind. Do not write long essays or letters. If you want to take notes for the interview, that's fine. You can do that. If you just want to write down a few words, so that you don't forget it for your interview. In Vipassana meditation, the main thing is to establish mindfulness or attention throughout the day to see and realize what is happening in your body and mind to establish an unbroken and continuous mindfulness that observes, looks at things, trying to penetrate deeper and deeper to see the true nature of the object that you are observing. In Samatha meditation, meditators take just one object and try to focus the mind on it. And whenever the mind goes out, one brings the mind back to this one object. In Vipassana meditation, it's not like this. As we try to understand mental and physical phenomena as they really are, so we have to observe these objects this phenomena. And so basically everything can become the object of meditation in Vipassana meditation. It's not that you choose something that you like or think is good, but anything that is most distinct either in your body or in your mind that becomes your object of meditation. And so then you are mindful of it. You observe it as long as it is the most distinct object. When this object either becomes weaker or disappears, or if another object pops up and is even stronger than the one you are observing, then you would direct your attention to that new, stronger object and stay with it, observe it, be mindful of it. So this is the general principle of Vipassana meditation. To be mindful, to observe the most 
dominant, the most distinct object that is happening in your body or mind. And so your mind shifts from one object to another. After a little while, another object may be the most distinct one. For beginners, this general instruction might be a bit difficult to apply or in the beginning nothing may be really distinct or dominant. And that's why we have a so-called primary object. An object that we can start with or that we can go back to if nothing else is really dominant or distinct. And also to give a bit more structure into the day, we have three aspects of the practice. This means we have the sitting meditation, then we have walking meditation, and the third aspect is daily activities mindfulness in daily activities. And these daily activities include everything that is not formal sitting meditation or walking meditation. So all the remaining time when you are not doing sitting meditation, when you are not doing walking meditation, all the remaining time throughout the day is is what we call mindfulness in daily activities. What this includes, I will explain a little bit later. First, I want to talk about the sitting meditation. In the sitting meditation, as the word implies, you practice mindfulness in the sitting posture. And the sitting posture can be either cross-legged and in Burma it's not full lotus or half lotus, like full lotus with the legs uh, put on top of each other, half lotus just one leg put on top of the other. But in Burma most of the yogis, meditators, they have the legs crossed, but side by side. So one leg is a bit closer to the body on the floor, and the other leg is next to this leg, a bit further away, also on the floor. This position is quite conducive also for beginners, it doesn't give the pressure on the feet, on the ankle, that can be caused through half lotus or full lotus. For those who is difficult to sit in this posture, you can also use a little bench that sometimes yogis use to sit, or um, use some cushions that you put under your buttocks to uh, raise the body a little bit and then it's also a bit 
more easier to sit in this cross-legged position. For some people, they have maybe some problems with the knees or the legs. This might not be a suitable position. So it's also possible to sit on a chair. Whatever your posture is, cross-legged or sitting on a bench, having cushions to support your body, to sit on a chair. What is important is to have your back upright and straight. So when you sit down and settle into your posture, make sure that you can keep your upper part of the body upright more or less and also try to have the head in line with your back not bending it forward but also not leaning too much to the back take your time in the beginning to find the balance or the middle where the body just rests in a balance uh, state the head put on top and those sitting on a chair uh, also the same things apply and don't lean against the back if there is a back lean on the chair that's not very conducive and then the hands can either rest in your lap one hand the palms facing up put into the other or the hands can also rest on your legs on your knees and if you choose this posture it's better to have the palms facing up don't sit with the palms facing down that can create excessive heat better to have them facing up and then the closed eyes the eyes are gently closed and then in the sitting meditation as I mentioned the primary object the object to start with is the movement of the abdomen so when we have settled into our in our sitting posture close the eyes gently then we bring our attention to the belly and we will notice there is some movement happening there because we are breathing in and out the breath causes the abdomen to move outward to fall back or to rise and fall and so this abdominal movement this is our so-called primary object with this we can start our sitting meditation we have to be careful that we just stay with the movement of the abdomen don't pay attention to the breath itself don't follow the breath from your nostril down to the abdomen 
but just keep your mind here on the belly and try to feel or watch or observe this movement here. For those who are new to the practice and who don't feel this movement very clearly or not at all, you actually can put your hand on your belly and with the hands on your abdomen the movement will become more distinct then you actually can feel it and so then you could sit with the hands resting on your belly and then observe this movement so whenever we feel that the belly is rising or expanding or moving forward, then we try just to be with that movement. Follow it, feel it, and when the abdomen falls back or moves down, then we try to really stay with that movement, feel it or see it moving down. And then again the next rising movement, trying to be closely with it when it falls, observe it carefully. And in the beginning, especially the beginning of a retreat or beginners in meditation, the mind is not yet very concentrated, mindfulness is not yet very strong, and so after a very short time already, you will find that the mind is wandering, thinking about something else. So, to help the mind to stay better with this abdominal movement, we use a label, we use the labeling to support, to strengthen our mindfulness, our attention. So then that means when you observe the rising movement of the abdomen, at the same time as the abdomen is moving, rising, in the mind we make this silent label, label it rising. And when the abdomen is falling and when we are aware of this falling movement, at the same time we label it falling, and then again rising, falling, rising, falling, rising, falling. But most of your attention should be with the actual movement. Don't pay, don't pay too much attention to the word, to the label. This should be just a soft, silent whisper in the back of your mind, so to speak, to help your mindfulness stay with that movement. Rising, falling, rising, falling, rising, falling, etc. And, as I said, in Vipassana meditation, its primary object is not the only object that we are observing, but 
one of many different objects to be uh, observed. So, when you are observing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen, but when you notice that actually the mind is not with that movement anymore, but is thinking about something, then you would direct your attention to that thought. And so that thought becomes your object of meditation. And observing a thought, it doesn't mean that you need to analyze the thought or find out its cause or no need to go into the content or the story of the thought, but it's rather be aware that the mind is thinking. A thought process is happening. And so then directing your mind to that thought or thought process, be aware of it and to support and help your mindfulness of that thought, also label it, thinking, 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 thinking. And in Vipassana meditation, we always stay with an object as long as it is happening until it disappears or until another, even more distinct or strong object arises. It's not just acknowledge thinking and then pull the mind back to the primary object. This is not a correct approach. So in a case of a thought, thought process, observe it thinking, 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 until the thought stops or dissolves or disappears. And when that's the case, then you would go back to the primary object, the abdominal movement, and continue to observe it until you may, you may notice, oh, again a thought. Then stop noting the rising and falling movement of the abdomen and again direct your mind to the thought process, observing it, noting it as thinking, 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 thinking. And when it has disappeared, you go back to the primary object. Besides thoughts, you may also notice some sensations in the body. Maybe there is some tingling, maybe some heat, maybe an unpleasant sensation. So, if this bodily sensation becomes quite distinct and obvious, then do not observe the rising and falling movement any longer, but change to this sensation, maybe some heat. Direct your mind to the area where you feel that heat and observe it, look at it or feel it. And again, take the label as a help and support. Heat, 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 heat. 
Go really into the sensation of heat. Observe what is it all about. How does it feel? What happens when you observe it? And this heat or tingling or some itchiness, it might get weaker and dissolve again. So if that sensation then has disappeared, then you go back to the primary object. Of course, also if a really painful, strong sensation comes up, aching in the back or some strong pain in the ankle, then this becomes your object of mindfulness. Then stop with the observing of rising and falling and bring your mind to that pain in the back or the strong pain in the ankle. And again, be mindful of it. Be aware of it as it is. Pain, 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 or aching, 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 whatever it is. Just try to be patient with it. Observe it. And when it has disappeared, go back to the primary object. You also might hear some loud noises or sounds. So if that is the case, if there is a loud sound and noise that catches your attention, then the sound would become the object of your meditation. And in that case, also direct your mind, your attention to the hearing. When you hear a sound, noise, it's not to analyze where does it come from or what kind of bird is it that is singing or what is the cause of this noise, but it's just the fact that you are hearing something. So we are actually observing the hearing mind. And so when we observe the sound, the hearing, we also label it hearing, 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 hearing. And when the sound stops, then you go back to your primary object or any other object that is distinct at that time. So this means that you don't have to go back to the primary object all the time when another object has disappeared. If that object has disappeared, but then immediately another object is strong and distinct, then you go directly to that new object. For example, when the sound has disappeared and if you feel a strong pain in the knee, for example, then go directly to that painful sensation in the knee. Observe that pain. And maybe while observing the pain, you notice that there is a thought. So then go and observe the thought. When the thought has disappeared, maybe the pain is still there. So then go directly to the pain. Continue to observe the pain. 
Maybe then, after some time, the pain subsides and then if nothing else is dominant in the body or mind, then you will go back to the rising and falling of the abdomen. So don't cling to the primary object as an object that you should be with all the time or most of the time. It's not so in Vipassana meditation. It's more important to establish an unbroken and continuous mindfulness that is able to go from one distinct object to another. Even if in the course of one sitting meditation you observe pain and sounds and thoughts and emotions and sounds and another pain and another emotion and another sound without going back to the primary object, this is still correct. Then you're still doing fine. The abdominal movement is just a good anchor to go back to if there is nothing really dominant in the body or the mind. So maybe I just uh, say it again that besides thoughts, any kinds of emotions, emotional states, must also be mindfully observed. So if there is happiness or joy arising, then this becomes your object of meditation. Or if it is aversion with emotions, try not to go into the content of this emotion. Try not to get involved in the story. It's because of this and this person that I got angry or this has caused my anger or ah, it's because uh, this is why I'm happy or no thinking, no analyzing, but just be with the actual experience of joy or anger or frustration. Be patient with it, stay with it as long as it is there or dominant, and only when it has disappeared or if another object has become more distinct, then change to that other object. So this is the basic instruction for the sitting meditation. The daily schedule is so that there are periods, most of the time of one hour of sitting meditation. So try to sit for one hour. For those who are new to the practice, it might be a bit long. And even if you have painful sensations, try not to change your posture. Because if you start changing your posture whenever you have some pain, it will become a bad habit. And you miss a great chance to observe pain and get deep insight into the nature of pain. So as good as you can, try not to change your posture. 
and also do not open your eyes, but keep them closed for the whole period of sitting meditation. Only when you finish your sitting, when you decide to get up, then open your eyes. In the walking meditation, the same principle is applied to observe whatever is most dominant in body and mind. And because it's walking meditation, we do it while walking. And walking meditation is not just leisurely walking around in the compound and look at the beautiful trees and birds and butterflies, but walking meditation is done in a specific place or you choose a specific path here in the hall or outside and then you walk back and forth up and down. So when you get up from the sitting or when you go to do your walking meditation, first stay at one end of your walking path and just stand there and be aware of your standing posture. Feel the body as it is upright and Observe this. Notice standing, 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 standing. And then you also can observe the touching sensations of your feet on the ground. Your soles of the feet touch the ground. So then bring your attention there and observe this touching sensation. Touching, 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 touching. Move back to the standing posture, standing, standing, standing. Touching sensations, touching, touching, touching. So, do that a short while. And then in the walking meditation, as I said, it's walking up and down a specific path. And in order to help deepening your concentration, it's good to have your eyes cast down, looking on the ground, on the floor ahead of you, about two meters ahead of you. Just rest your eyes there, and but still keep your body, your head upright. Many yogis, when they get the instructions, to restrain their eyes and look down on the ground, they go like this, bending their head very low. But this is not good. It also creates tension in your neck. It can even uh, create a headache. So make sure your posture is upright. And just, it's the eyes cast down, not the head put down. And another thing that helps your concentration deepening is the um, posture of your hands. 
hold them together either in front of your body, like this, or you can hold them up here, like this, or put them on the back of your body, also holding your hands together. Don't let them hang on the side of your body. Sometimes the swinging of your arm may distract your mind or your finger will get swollen. If you hold them together, it helps the whole circulation. Fingers get less swollen. So then, in the walking meditation, after having observed the standing posture, touching sensations, then the primary object is the movement of the foot. As you make a step, try to closely observe or feel the movement that is happening in your foot. So first of all, when we do the walking meditation, we start with observing the steps as just right when we move the right foot make a step, we observe this movement, and at the same time, we label it as right. Then making the next step with the left foot, observing that movement, left, right, left, right, etc., until you reach the other end of your walking path. And when you get there, Stand still first, and in the same way as in the beginning, observe standing posture, touching sensation. Standing, 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 touching, 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 touching. Maybe one more, standing, 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 touching, touching, touching. And only after that, slowly turn around, so that you face again into the direction where you came from. And while you are turning around your body, observe this turning movement of the body. Turning, 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 turning. And when you finish the turning, again stand still, observe standing posture, touching sensations. And only after that, start walking again, observing the movement of the foot right, left, right, left, right, left, until you reach the other end of your path. And then do the same with noting standing posture, um, touching sensations, turning around, etc. Also in walking meditation, the movement of the foot is not the only object that you should be aware of, but in the same way as in the sitting meditation, whenever other objects arise and become more dominant or more distinct, then we do not continue to observe the movement of the foot, but we pay attention to those other objects. Be it the thought, be it a noise, be it some sensation, pleasant or unpleasant in the body, 
be it an emotion. So notice thinking, 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 or happy, 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 or itchy, itchy, itchy. And when that thought or itchiness or sound has disappeared, then continue to observe the movement of the foot. Just pick it up wherever it is. Sometimes it happens in the walking meditation that these other objects are strong or last quite some time. Especially thoughts and emotions when they come up in the walking meditation and when they are not these kind of fleeting thoughts that arise, you notice thinking, thinking, and then they disappear. But if it's more a sticky thought, a stubborn thought, strong emotion, then it's better to stand still wherever you are in the middle of your walking path, doesn't matter. Stand still and bring your full attention to that thought or that emotion. Thinking, 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 or sad, 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 sad. And observe it, note it until it has disappeared. And only that, then, resume your walking. Right, left, right, left, etc. Most of the time the walking is also about one hour in the schedule. And so, after half an hour, you can uh, change from observing the movement of the foot as just la- right, left. Observe it in three parts, which means that we divide the movement into the lifting movement, lifting the heel slowly up and then the, ho- uh, the toes, so that's lifting. And then we need to push the foot forward a little bit. That's the second part, pushing. And then we need to put it down again. We call that dropping. So then there are these three parts of the step. Lifting, pushing, dropping. Lifting, pushing, dropping. And in order to be able to observe the step in these three parts, you need to slow down a little bit. Otherwise, it's not obvious. And also, to see it clearly, until you have dropped down the foot, the step cannot be very long. If the step is too long, then the foot in the back will already be lifted when you drop down the foot in the front, the foot in the front. So, finish the dropping down of the foot until it touches the ground, and only after that, start with the lifting of the foot in the back. So, for the beginning of this retreat, uh, start with observing the movement of the foot in this way. Later on, I will give more specific instructions, or also in the interviews, depending on your practice, 
depending on your experience, I will give you different instructions to note more or less or whatever. So, this is sitting meditation, walking meditation, and the third part in Vipassana meditation is the so-called mindfulness in daily activities. And this part is as important as sitting and walking meditation are. Don't look down on this part and think, oh yeah, yeah, it's just that. Uh, no need to be so mindful or do it so um, precisely. It's an integral part of the practice and as important as sitting and walking meditation. Meditators can get very deep insights while observing daily activity. And on top of that, it's that part that actually held the whole practice together. If you are neglecting to be mindful in daily activities because you think it's not so important or it doesn't matter so much, your practice falls apart. You won't go very deep. But it's this mindfulness in daily activities that keeps your practice together, that makes your mindfulness really strong and penetrating, that helps to deepen your concentration. So as I said in the beginning, mindfulness in daily activities is everything you do throughout the day, except in sitting or walking meditation. So basically, from the time you wake up in the morning until at night, before uh, when you fall asleep, you should be mindful of whatever you are doing, be it getting up, uh, washing your face, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, getting dressed, tidying up your bed, walking from one place to another, taking a shower, washing clothes, and eating. So all these activities are part of our meditation. And it's mostly movement activities that we are doing. Most of the time we are engaged in moving our body, moving our arms, our hands, our head. So, in the daily activities, it's the mindfulness of these different movements that we are uh, aware of. And to bring more mindfulness to these movements that you're actually doing every day since 20 or 40 or 60 years in your life, mostly doing these movements mindless, automatically and already uh, thinking about something else. So these routine activities, we just do them, but we are not actually fully aware of what we are doing, or which parts of our bodies are moving. 
So to bring more awareness, more presence into these activities, it's helpful to slow them down. Already the effort of trying to do them more slowly than usually, this already brings more mindfulness into it. And with that we also can stay more closely with a particular movement. So in the morning when you wake up, the first thing that you might be aware of is just the fact that you are waking up or awake. So then you can observe uh, awake, awake, waking up, waking up. And then as you need to get out of your bed, to get up, already this movement of getting up from your bed, try to be mindful of it, getting up, getting up, getting up. And then changing your clothes or going to the toilet. As you walk to the toilet, note walking, 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 or left, right, left, right. When you wash your face, you need to turn on the water tap. So you stretch out your hand, stretching, stretching, touching the tap, turning, turning. Then you move your hand, the water moving, moving, flashing water into your face. Whatever the actions or movements are, try to be fully with them, as good as you can. And walking here to the meditation hall, again, try to do that mindfully. Walk left, right, left, right, or be aware, walking, walking, walking. And then coming to your place, sitting down again, and still in front of your feet, and moving down or sitting down, 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 down. In the eating as well, many movements, many actions are involved to get your food, to go to your place, to the table, to sit down, to take the spoon or the fork, to get your food, to bring it up to your mouth, put it into your mouth, chew it, swallow it. So all these actions and movements should be mindfully observed. Of course, in the beginning, it's not so easy and you may miss quite a few of them. But never mind, whenever you remember to be mindful again, whenever you notice that you have not been mindful, that's already waking up again to the present. And then just pick it up wherever it is. Note what you are doing. In the daily activities, you can ignore thoughts or sounds or emotions that come up. Just acknowledge them, but then 
bring your mind back to the movement, to the action that you are doing at this moment. Only in cases when a thought is really strong or an emotion is really having a tight grip on you, then when the circumstances allow, stop your activity, stop the movement and pay attention to that thought or emotion. So, these are the basic instructions for your meditation that get you started, so you now you hopefully know how to implement uh, your practice. And so for tonight, as it's the first evening, and you have come from quite some distance and maybe have had a busy day. So, if you wish, you may go to your quarters and to take rest, because tomorrow morning, 4 o'clock, it's getting up, and then 4.30, we'll all be here in the hall and take the nine, uh, take the nine precepts and take refuge all together. So, may all of you be able to fully grasp the practice of mindful meditation, implement it, and attain your goal, become free from all kinds of suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.